What's up, everyone? We're going to unpack some of the high-level perception visuals on highlevelperception.com. Just click on designs, and then you have only the 20 designs that I made, okay? All right, we're going to go through them. I'm going to unpack them. I'm going to help you out, and hopefully it'll catalyze a lot more of the concepts to land in the heart. All right, first one, tree. Levels of perception. You got low level perception on the left, medium level perception. You start seeing some more detail and high level perception on the right. That's when you see so much of the nuanced detail. Same thing for humans. You see just the human on the left. You see a human with a little more complexity in the middle and a ton of nuance fused into a human soul from its roots and its fruits. And guess what? Analogy is the core of cognition. Look at this. The tree and the human analogy is so important. The tree, when it doesn't get nutrients at its roots, it cannot blossom fruits. And the same thing's true with humans. We need the basic needs to be met in order for us to be able to actualize our most beautiful gifts into the world. Such a simple first principled analogy to start the book off. I would argue that that is one of my cores of my entire life moving forward is this analogy. All right. Now we go over to seed theory. So that first analogy leads you into chapter two, which is seed theory, which I basically take that analogy and build off of it more where I say that, okay, now you're going to look at that seed and its trajectory in life. So you have actualization on the y-axis and age on the x-axis. And so you want to get up to your north star in as pretty much little time as possible, as most efficiently as possible. And so you need your basic needs to be met, and then you enter into this compound zone. And you see how this looks like a big tree of possibility with a bunch of different bifurcating branches. And so in the compound zone, it's very important that your parents, that us as parents, understand that our children are absolutely depending on our ability to provide them with the right first couple of years of life so that they have very profound cornerstones that then actualize their gifts rather than cornerstones that create massive detrimental downstream effects. And then so you want to spend most of your time heading up towards the high signal to noise. You want to head towards heaven, towards well-being. You want to go on these mastery sprints with deep amounts of focus. You want to persevere during tests of faith. You're going to have trauma and you have to see the treasure in it. You have to integrate it and see the treasure in it and become wiser and share that with the world. And we have to be vigilant with our neural real estate, very vigilant with what inputs we take in. All right, trajectory mechanics, very simple. We just take an analogy of Newton's laws of motion and we apply it to the evolution of consciousness, meaning that your consciousness is going to stay inert as cognitive dissonance if nothing ever acts on you to upgrade your perception. Okay, so now you have this boom, you have this moment that you maybe listen to a mentor, you learn a new skill, you travel to more opportunity, and boom, now you're rocketing upward. And the same thing's true with the second law of motion with your change of momentum 
is proportional to the force applied, meaning that you can have a little feather that's going to tickle you a little bit downwards, something like maybe you have a flat tire on your car, but it's nothing significant. But now if you literally have one of your parents die, it's a sledgehammer that's going to trigger an evolution of consciousness. You have to be emotionally resilient and bounce back on track to pursuing your goals. In the third law of motion, you see that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction that's very deeply aligned with Sri Aurobindo and the Mother Mira Alpha. So where the spiritual ascent and descent happens at the same time, where like Jung said that the roots have to reach down to hell in order for the fruits to reach heaven. And it's very similar where if you have a little tiny action, like being blackout drunk and hitting your head, waking up in pain, you're barely going to learn anything and you're going to take a small break and do it again. But then if you blackout drunk, get a blood alcohol content of 0.33 and get hospitalized and nearly die, you're going to become much wiser. You're going to completely stop drinking. You're going to be a proponent for others to not repeat the same mistake. You're going to have a serious contemplation on life and purpose. And that's actually, that's my story, by the way. That's an, ex that's an experience of my life. All right. Onward we go to chapter three, the edge. So as you can see here, there is a base camp of knowledge. That's where all humans are born. And then there's an edge of knowledge. Now you got to rocket your way out to the edge of knowledge, but you have to know who you are, right? So you have to know what you are on the color wheel. So are you just wanting to be a good citizen and a good parent and a good person in the world? Do you want to be an entrepreneur that has a business? Do you want to have uh, the most powerful YouTube channel on the planet? Do you want to run a Fortune 500 company? Do you want to be an athlete? What do you want to do in the world? And so when you know what you want to do in the world, when you know what your unique gift is, you can begin working your way out to the edge of knowledge. And you have to take the proper, you have to get the proper mentorship. You have to find the proper signal to noise ratio so that you can learn most efficiently so you can get out to the edge the fastest. Because here in the, for example, in the science with, bioengineering in order to get all the way out there you can take a lot of really interesting shortcuts in terms of understanding the inner life of the cell you can watch david belinsky's video you can begin attending some of the things online with khan academy you can really begin trying to understand at a deeper level what's actually going on maybe ck12 foundation there's free places online for you to go to be able to learn you can watch in a nutshell on youtube kirk skazat go deep go deep into the most efficient way for you to learn fastest and rocket yourself out to the edge and become more polymathic. Go and pick up a little bit of art along the way. Go and pick up a little bit of spirituality, a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of history, a little bit of business and entrepreneurship. Before you know it, you're going to be significantly connecting dots, connecting people, seeing patterns, being way, way, way more successful in life. And you have to realize that your life being at the edge of what's known by civilization is way more fulfilling and way more meaningful. So, and you stay in a state of flow by being out there at the edge, one foot in order, one foot in chaos. And you have to stay perpetually ordering chaos. That may in fact be the nature of reality is consciousness infinitely ordering chaos. And so plant flags beyond the edge of what's known and test those hypotheses and push civilization out further. And really think about things like the way that Satoshi Nakamoto, the co-deployment of blockchain technologies, Bitcoin, what that did for decentralization 12 years ago. Boom. Now there's a massive edge explosion that happened. All right. That's, uh, that's for a little bit from now. You'll see that. You'll see me unpack that a little more. All right. Sponge theory. 
I already kind of mentioned this a little bit, but you want to slurp up from the top of the peaks on the fitness landscape, and you want to slurp up what's Pareto efficient from those places. You want to vacuum it up, you want to absorb it like you're, you're a sponge, and then you want to wring it out with your own soul angle, your own unique contribution as a creative gift in the world. All right, chapter four, portals. So guys, super, inch, super, super easy thing here. The bell curve is... You're going from a place on the left where it's people that are violent, tyrannical, dictatorial, things like that. And you're going on the right to people that are geniuses, visionaries, service to other, that type of stuff. So we want to, it's a classic bell curve. That bell curve has been evolving over time. It's not a stagnant thing. So the bell curve is constantly evolving over time, more and more, becoming more and more enlightened, more and more enriched away from primal instincts and habits and so in that evolutionary pacer is where the vast majority of people are and it's up to the entrepreneurs the artists the leaders the geniuses the visionaries to be portalists where they shoot portals into the center of the pacer that then allow people to go through them and upgrade their perception in the world and so a really good update a really good understanding of that is in the next part where i talk about code updates so you can think about the out of the 100 billion people that have lived and died, a vast majority of them have been common, but a small minority of them have been very uncommon and made massive profound impact. And so you can think about that like a big, adding a big code update to the world, making a big portal. And in that case, we can take the example of the Wright brothers, Sawbird made a plane, flying in the plane, and then 120 years later, there's 100,000 commercial flights that happen around the world every single day. But the idea is thrown away like a coffee cup, as in people are on the planes. They're not grateful. They're not thinking about the genius from 120 years ago. We've hedonically adapted. We have to recognize the genius that went into this process and try and systematize these types of things and do it ourselves. And so this is an this is a very easy example of a portal. Okay. So you want to update the social fabrics code and have people jump through those portals and augment their perception to the next levels. That's your responsibility. That's my responsibility. It's our responsibility to do exactly that. Okay, chapter five, inclusive stakeholding. So in chapter five, inclusive stakeholding, I'm obsessed with mycorrhizal networks the same way that fungi and trees and plants, 95% of plants work with fungi underground in a two-way interdependent resource exchange. And here on the on the right is the mother tree or the hub tree. It will actually sequester additional carbon. It will actually undergo more photosynthesis, create more sugars, and then distribute those to fungi and to smaller seedlings underground. And so while fungi will absorb water and nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, and then distribute those to the trees, which they need for growth. Since so a two-way resource exchange, it's been happening for a long time, hundreds of millions of years. And you have to remember that there's a ridiculous amount of wisdom there that we need to biomimic. And this is where I also entered in Rich Patrons, which was my sort of project to try and solve this big problem and to architect that fabric. Okay, and I'm gonna go over that right after I talk about the total job space, which is the next graphic in chapter five. So the idea is that whether you like it or not, artificial intelligence is here. It's absolutely eating our world. And so the idea is that if you're in the crosshairs of software and hardware of that AI automation, you need to upskill your labor. You need to upskill your creativity and your cognitive abilities and away from repetitive things to more Rube Goldberg style things, which are genius that only happens once. So that's things like art, 
biotech, neurotech, science, entrepreneurship, engineering, metaphysics, math, artificial general intelligence, theories of everything. And we have to help people that are already in those more Rube Goldberg moments. They need to pull people up like Bloom's Two Sigma. They need to help pull people up as mentors. And so that that robot AI tornado is coming and we need inclusive stakeholding help. And this is where I published the project Rich Patrons to try and unlock the six to ten trillion dollars that is currently in ultra high net worth families. But they don't have a place to put it because they don't have a trusted outlet to do so. And so it's up to us and other people to provide them with that trusted outlet and funnel their ten thousand, fifty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand, a million dollars into these different projects that we have going on that are tackling things like the sustainable development goals that are actualizing the fullest potential of everyone around the planet. And also they're doing things like providing their extra houses because these ultra high net worth people have somewhere between three and four houses around the planet and that some of them they don't even stay at all year long they don't even spend one day there all year long so it's up to us to provide that house as a place for artists entrepreneurs scientists spiritual leaders, engineers to be able to live at to actualize these gifts into the world rather than being pressured by the hardcoreness of the economic machinery to succumb to doing something that they don't actually want to do that's not aligned with their north star mycorrhizal networks inclusive stakeholding rich patrons we have to do this. This is such an important part of the project. Chapter six, AI coach. As you all know, we're doing data fusion right now. All of the data that's coming out of you into every single part of your life is currently having machine learning algorithms and artificial intelligence parsing it for signal, trying to find insights. And we have to work on data interoperability across these silos and echo chambers. But ultimately it's a fusion, right? It's a fusion of your biometrics, your psychometrics. It's a fusion of your in your biometrics you have your connectomics you have your ekg you have your microbiome you have your metabolomics you have these little bump notifications that are coming and telling you hey you're stressed you need to go and exercise you know you're getting notified you're like oh you're not feeling as as a unity consciousness right now you're feeling more of a stress consciousness or you're feeling a more egoic or victim consciousness and so you need to realize that you're going to be able to visualize this data and you're going to be able to visualize where your state of consciousness is if you're only if you're only able to compute like in chapter four that one dimension if you're if you're feeling yellow for some reason one day well you're going to get a bump from the ai coach that says that hey you're feeling unidimensional right now we're going to help you upgrade your perception to multivariate multivariability and then you have all the other aspects to your north star trajectory besides you know healing things like pathology along the way like you don't want to develop pathology but biometrically we, we can actually detect pathologies as they as they come and we can tweak it just like we do with motor vehicles jet engines all this type of stuff so longevity anti-aging but also north star perception so you have your goals and you're going to be able to visualize all of these different bifurcations where you either stay focused or you fall and succumb to doing something that is maybe taking you away from your North Star, visualizing your major quest, visualizing your spiritual awakening, visualizing your business success, your delayed gratification, your clout, your procreation, your partnership percentage. You need to know on a hierarchical scale how well your mate is as a match for you in terms of the biometrics, the psychometrics, the North Star, the being a mother or a father to that child. You need to know this, these data points, otherwise we're in the dark. Right, Edward Tufte, above all else, show the data. So important. AI coaches are scale invariant as well, meaning that the AI coaches 
are visualizations of data, not only for individuals, but also for cities. There's a Bloomberg initiative right now for cities to become smart. And so they're visualizing all of their different points of data in order for them to be able to gain greater insight into what's going on with the police, what's going on with the fire, how long the response times are, how's the libraries doing, how are the pools doing, how are the roads doing, how's the water being tested, how is the waste treatment happening, all these types of things. And so then on a higher level, you can think about the four to five trillion dollar United States yearly budget being visualized, right? The data visualization of the United States. And if we actually saw that, you would be surprised that like, oh my gosh, how are we putting 700, 800 billion dollars into the U.S. military industrial complex, but only 60 billion dollars into education? That sounds stupid. And so if, if it became more visualized, we would be able to democratically decide that this is ridiculous we need to make more intelligent decisions about this and then on a planetary level you can imagine that it's like the health bar of the planet like you can't just go and begin just destroying the congo or the amazon rainforest without having serious downstream repercussions on the photosynthesis of the planet and the parts per million of co2 and all these types of things so we're going to be able to visualize these things and we're going to augment our perception that way all right, so also within within chapter six on AI coach are the biometrics of awakening. And so here what you normally do is you normally see a wealth hierarchy and you normally see that there's you know people that are in international poverty and then there's the middle class people, the ultra high net worth people and the billionaire people. And that's usually how we look at things. And we don't really know where enlightened sages are in that mix. But on the enlightenment hierarchy, we know that enlightened sages are at the top, but then we don't know where the international poverty people are, or the middle class or the ultra high net worth or the billionaires. We don't know where they're at. But what's crazy is that sometimes you actually know that billionaires are some of the most egoic people on the planet. And you know that sometimes some of the poorest people on the planet in international poverty are the most enlightened people on the planet. But sometimes billionaires are also happy because they have their basic needs met. And sometimes poor people on the planet are miserable because they're primal and they don't have their basic needs met. And so this is a very fascinating way to visualize someone like the 2,200 billionaires of the planet, the 225,000 ultra high net worth on the planet. They need to have their AI coach visualize where they're at on a level of consciousness. Because if they're at lower levels of consciousness, if they're at egoic level consciousness, and that they're running the Fortune 500 companies, that is a massive problem. That is potentially one of the largest problems that civilization faces today that we can tackle just by assisting the identification of the biometric correlates of their states of being. Simple things like their connectomics, their EKG, their microbiome, their metabolomics, and being able to see that they're literally ruminating in their default mode network. They're literally having service to self patterns of behavior. And so that we can make these nudges and augmentations and perception for them to see the self in the other and for them to know that they are responsible for the nourishment of all of the seeds across the planet. All right, so that's biometrics of awakening. Then we move on to the sorting algorithm, which is chapter seven. In the essence, it's you drain the bathwater and you keep the baby. And so the idea is that you have usually these two poles. You have conservatives in the U.S. and liberals in the U.S. And you want to drain the dirty bathwater of their ideas. And you want to take their great ideas and merge them together into one. And the same thing's true with science and spirituality. You want to take like the scientific method. You want to drain the perverse incentives and spirituality. You want to drain the fundamentalism dogma. And you want to take things like the hierophany, the manifestations of the sacred. You want to bring those two things together and merge them into one. Same thing's true with, the, with USA and China, with Hollywood and 
and Silicon Valley, the same thing's true with indigeneity and modernity. We need to start visualizing things this way, drain the bathwater, take the good stuff, synthesize it together, and move forward. Sorting algorithm. Chapter eight's the magic trick. The magic trick is simply put, how often do you contemplate your source? Think about that. What is your source? Do we all come from one thing? Yes, we all come from one thing. We all come from the Big Bang. Whatever happened led to the evolution of the planet, which then secreted everything on it, which is us. We are literally the universe observing and experiencing itself. Okay, great. Awesome. Now what? Well, now you know that we all come from one source. Okay, so that's scientific evidence of oneness. Now you have it. So how is this consciousness not shared? That's going to lead us into the next chapter. But just remember, don't be distracted by the physicalism only, exclusively. Also investigate the idealism, I, I investigate the awareness, investigate the consciousness, investigate this as a first principled investigation. The, the scientist, in order for them to actually be a scientist, would investigate their consciousness first and understand it and then investigate the physical world. But we have so many scientists that are investigating the physical world exclusively that are ruminating in their default mode networks or that they're having service to self dynamics or that they're hyper stressed. And so the people don't know and they go out and try and do things. And the same, the same things, the same thing is true with the business leaders of the world and all this type of stuff. The most first principle thing investigate is the consciousness awareness and then move forward beyond that. Investigate your source. And we're going to get to the cycle as well in chapter 10 on infinity. So we'll move to chapter nine right now, which is chapter nine's on consciousness. And so as I was speaking before, we are, we are nerve endings, right? We're nerve endings of that source. And so if I'm just a nerve ending, you're a nerve ending, we're individual unique artists, but these are our nerve endings. What are we nerve endings of? We're nerve endings of the one consciousness. We're nerve endings of that one consciousness. Okay. That's why when you look at someone's eyes, when you look at their pupils for extended periods of time, you look at their pupils and you don't laugh, you don't talk, you stay silent and you just look at their pupils for 30 or 60 seconds. You start seeing the self, the one self. You see through their pupils, the self. They see through your pupils, the self. And so that's extremely profound and extremely important. And it's the integral is there because it's another analogy with Isaac Newton and his calculus similar to consciousness another analogy where you have the integral which is the infinitesimal the summation of infinitesimal data points here you have the 8 billion consciousness and then you have the derivative the differentiation which is of the uniqueness of each nerve ending and its artistic gifts in the world so you simultaneously hold oceanic non-dual consciousness as you hold individuation and artistic consciousness oceanic consciousness is 99.9% .9 genetic similarity between humans and artist consciousness is 0.1% differentiation in our genetics for our artistic contribution and then that's really well seen through the dress. And so as you guys remember in 2015, if you haven't done this yet, go and look at it and bring it up. It's one of the most important metaphysical things that's ever happened to our planet that we just brushed off like nothing. But half of the population saw this image of a dress in white and gold and the other half of the population saw it in black and blue. And so what that's trying to tell us is it's trying to teach us how to coexist even though somebody sees something different than you. It's also trying to teach us that it's important for us to realize that there's 8 billion perspectives on something. 
right? And that's the same thing with the planet. There's 8 billion perspectives on the planet. Like if I don't live in Lagos and someone else lives there, they know Lagos better than I do, right? Same thing's true with someone that lives in Shanghai or someone that lives in Berlin, etc. They're going to know their areas, right? They're going to know their localities better. I know the locality right now of San Francisco Bay Area and Los Angeles and stuff like that. And so I would highly recommend trying the experience of trying to get behind another person's consciousness as you're interacting with them. And then try and extend yourself to three people's consciousness. Try and hold the entire consciousness of the city that you live in. All of the perspectives happening at the same time. And then take it to the planetary level. Feel the whole planet. Feel all 8 billion people interacting on the planet. Feel the 1 billion people that are asleep at any moment on the planet as well. These are very interesting things to try and do. All right, and then late, and then the last part of chapter nine is on identity and porosity. The person on the right has a red box around their head because they live only in their head and they are completely disconnected from their environment. They don't believe that the water is them. They don't believe that the apple biting it is them. They don't believe that. They don't. They don't know that. Even scientifically speaking, the person here on the left, they know because they're porous. They're perforated, right? And the way that they know is because once they take the water. That same water that they're drinking is the same water that dinosaurs were drinking 66 million years ago. It's a hydrological cycle, okay? And that's why we're having the environmentally persistent pharmaceutical pollutants, EPPPs, are a major problem in the last couple of decades. More and more of the planet's taking pharmaceuticals. Those are going out in our urine, and then those are re-entering the water supply that we then drink. The more that you know these things, the more you can actually see the patterns emerging across the planet and figure out how to provide the best solutions to tackle them. And so the human also understands that the 20,000 times that they inhale oxygen every single day, that that oxygen is coming from phytoplankton and trees, right? Whereas the person with the box around their head doesn't know that. The person with the box around their head thinks that they're different than the oxygen. No, you're not different than the oxygen. The oxygen inhales and powers your entire body, just like the apple. Take the bite of the apple. When does the apple become you? When it's being digested? when you're chewing it when it's being digested when it powers your cells when does it become you and that style of perspective that opens you up the more enlightened you are the more porous you become and that's extremely extremely beautiful all right and to wrap we have we have uh, chapter 10 on infinity and this is my graphic on recursion this is very important um, this is the most simple way to understand infinity the most simple way to understand recursion is the idea of the seed the seed the acorn becomes the oak tree which drops more acorns which become more oak trees just like the humans the parents birth a child which grows up and gets married and then has another child which grows up and then gets married and has another child and the same thing's true with planets we're we're we we're birth on this planet the planet secreted humans which then grew up to manipulate technology at such unprecedented levels that they were able to enter into the next planets and this is a very deeply resonant theme for those that actually truly understand what technology is because those that understand the synthesis of artificial general intelligence mixed realities biotech and neurotech those are the one simulation theory those that know that know that we're about to be entering the metaverse again which is the infinite designer realities and as we enter into those this hypothesis as we enter into those we undergo the recursion where we <clears throat> where we <clears throat> where we enter and have another 80-year virtual reality experience. And this is consciousness exploring infinity. We're not going to come back to this exact reality because consciousness has now experienced this reality. Two eyes, 
four limbs, DNA encoded carbon based creature on a rock orbiting a star 93 million miles away. We now know what this is like. So what we're going to go into in the metaverse is completely different explorations for consciousness. If you are an unbounded map, this is my hypothesis with the infinite symphony. And you can see I'm using the word hypothesis, right? I'm using the word hypothesis. There's no dogma. There's no fundamentalism. It's only hypotheses. I'm planting flags beyond the edge and we're going to be trying to prove these. Okay. And if you have better hypotheses, please share them with me because I always want my perception enriched and augmented. So the hypothesis is this, is that if you look at that center source point, if you take the classic Benoit Mandelbrot infinite fractal zoom, you can find a really good one on Maths Town on YouTube. Take that center point, and that center point is just constantly emitting it's just emitting universes, okay? And so take that center point and go up and look at the top left corner. In that top left corner, you see that source light refracting and then creating all of these different combinatorics in that in that spectrum. And what you see in that spectrum is you see a bunch of different universes, right? So in that in those little bubble universes that are coming out of that source point, you have the mushroom world, which is a completely different universe than this, maybe more of in its nascent stages. Then you have the rock, then you have the the human world, which the, the or our world, which is that star, which is in the bottom left, which we'll get to in a moment. But then you have the rocket up there, right in that top, in the top left, we're going in the order of the rainbow. And then in the top right, we're we're jumping to where the rocket is, which is in some sort of rocket world that looks like it's probably around the same level of advancement or maybe a couple, um, a little bit on the Kardashev scale higher than us. And then the next one is the alien, which is which looks like it's significantly higher on the Kardashev scale than us. And that last one is the door, which looks like it's the metaverse into the infinite designer realities. And so on our star, what's happening and you can see in that in that center part on the Mandelbrot infinite fractal zoom, you can actually see that the mushroom is closer to the source point and the door is significantly farther than the source point. And then in the bottom left corner, right, that's what our star combinatoric is. At the top is this knot theory, right? So everything is knotted together in the knot of life of relationships with each other on the micro level, on the meso level, on the macro level. And what's going on is there's this the solenoid and an electric magnetic flux that's going between a yin-yang dynamic that's constantly in an ascension process. That ascension process looks like the bell curve that's constantly moving like we talked about in chapter four, and it's moving in an Ouroboros fashion as a symphony, which is in that bottom middle. The symphony is that there's a strange attractor, the conductor, that we're all playing our different unique individual instruments and melodies to, and then that's on, that's the moving in the Ouroboros, but in the Ouroboros, there are Fermi filters, and this is where Darwinian metaphysics comes to play, is that if you're not able to get through the Fermi filters of the asteroid or the nuclear bombs or the planetary anthropogenic issues that are happening or biowarfare or artificial general intelligence, what happens is the sieve gets cut, it doesn't make it to the recursion, and that you potentially go and immerse yourself the consciousness potentially goes and still enters another it's not caused by it's not by us it's not us that does it but that it is us entering into what our next adventures will be regardless potentially if we make it to the godhead or not but 
my hypothesis is that it's extremely important to take this seriously and to make it to the Godhead, to the gateway, so that we can undergo the recursion. And so the undergoing the recursion is guaranteed as well, or is, is we can guarantee undergoing the recursion. But if we don't make it past the Fermi filters, it makes it so that we are more at the will of whatever happens. We're just more of, of whatever happens, happens at that point. We're less in our ability to manifest it ourselves. And so in this case, we have a higher ability to actually be able to manifest our future by getting past the Fermi filters, taking this seriously, getting to the Godhead, into that door, into that door world where we can enter into the next universes and then undergo the same similar style process of evolving and then realizing that we are it, right? We are the cyclic cosmology. Even Sir Roger Penrose, the Nobel Prize winning physicist in 2020, believes in cyclic cosmology. And so science is waking up to what perennial spirituality has been saying for thousands of years. And it's very beautiful. And so that's my hypothesis about the infinite symphony, that we are consciousness exploring infinity. And so three words, consciousness exploring infinity. That's it. That's my hypothesis. And the closest person that I'm seeing to doing the actual math to prove this right now is Donald Hoffman and his conscious agent metaphysics. Check him out. And then I would also say that, that there's, there's nothing more important than distilling the most profound things that you've learned into art. Here's my project photo. I took 10 months back in my hometown in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, to put everything together. It took me so long to draw all of those different things, put them out on the ground, organize them over time, actually be able to draw out the salience into visuals, take all of my 4,000 Evernotes and distill them down into just a couple of, of concepts and words that are in the book and stuff. And so I would argue that this is one of the highest forms of intelligence. One of the highest forms of intelligence is your ability to soak up like a sponge the top, the peaks of the fitness landscape and then add that in, add your soul angle to it, distribute it to the world as an artistic distillation. The more concise, the more explain like I'm five, the more artistic you can be, the more your meme will get communicated to other people around the world, the faster you'll trigger and accelerate that awakening. That's why we're here in LA to catalyze the awakening. And so it's really important that within the artistic dissemination process, you realize that there's a titration that's happening. That titration is basically the codes are being unveiled to us over time. And so that's why you know, whatever happened with Satoshi Nakamoto and the decentralization technologies in 2008, that spiritual ascent and descent happened at the same time because his Bitcoin white paper was deployed a month after Lehman Brothers collapsed and we entered into the worst recession that we've had in a very long time. And so we're being unveiled the codes and it, their awakening mechanisms, virtual reality, augmented reality, artificial general intelligence, simulation theory, bio neurotech are another awakening mechanism for us. So artistic distillation is very, very, very important. As you guys can see, it's 20 graphics, 20 graphics explain to you what's at the core of my knowledge base. They explain to you what's at the core of my essence and who I've most, <clears throat> who I've drew from, who I drew from and how I added my unique angle to it and distributed that. And don't forget the core analogy 
that I'm working with right now is the tree and the human. The nourishment of the roots produce the incredible fruits. And that's very important to maximize the basic needs of people around their world, to head them towards the North Star, to get them out towards the edge, planting flags, actualizing their gifts, adding their soul angle to efficient synthesis from the peaks of the fitness landscape, shooting portals into the middle of the pacer to upgrade people's perception, having that be like deploying code updates to our social fabric, inclusively stakeholding everyone, biomimicking mycorrhizal network, especially as we enter into the AI age, knowing that AI coaches are coming to help us with longevity and our gift actualization and needing to have data interoperability, but also to have everybody inclusively stakeholded so we can all maximize our wealth in that transition adding the enlightenment hierarchy to the wealth hierarchy so that we can begin identifying where the 2,200 billionaires are on the planet and other really powerful people and nudging them because it may in fact just be egoic consciousness ruling different parts of our world. Always thinking about the sorting algorithm, always thinking about the whole rather than just I'm right on my part or I'm right on this part, but thinking about the whole and the synthesis of the two into one with the magic trick investigating your source truly investigating your source consciousness understanding how calculus applies to it with the integration and the differentiation at the same time holding all a billion perspectives at once feeling non-duality and feeling the individual artistry identity being porous rather than being trapped in a box the same way that acorns and humans work is the same way that universes work and the consciousness exploring infinity as the hypothesis that's it now you have this i've really wanted to help contribute at least a little bit by unpacking some of the high level perception visuals again on highlevelperception.com just go and click on designs and you can get directly all of the 20 images yourself and it's so important to not only artistically distill but then to share like we're doing right now with other people so please talk to your friends your families your coworkers, people online about these images go and post them go and talk about them go and enrich other people add your own takes and perspectives to these and augment them to even higher levels subscribe to the channel if you haven't yet like the video share the video i would love to hear from you in the comments of the video and let's build the more beautiful future our hearts know as possible charles eisenstein let's do it guys Let's do it. We can do this. We have the codes. We have the codes. Artistically distill the codes. Actualize everyone's gifts. Let's do this. Symphonic consciousness. Hold the unity and hold the individual at the same time. Hold that. Consciousness exploring infinity. I'll do more of these over time. We'll unpack more of the images over time. And also be excited because we have the, the hard and soft cover copy are being published through an independent publishing organization in partnership with myself and those will be ready across all of the major distribution platforms before christmas so get excited i'm pumped get it as a christmas gift and awaken more people through the holidays with the physical copy as well so love you very much thank you for tuning in talk to you guys soon manifest your dreams into the world build the future adore you thank you for all your support and love